When is a game more than just a game? Truly elite athletes are always practicing, always preparing. Whether it's game day or the offseason, the greats are always trying to get an edge. And even when they're done, many of them really aren't. Recently, we saw two of boxing's all-time greats, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., get in the ring for an exhibition. Two men in their 50s who couldn't stay away from the sport they've already devoted so much time to. And you're probably thinking, well, what's all this have to do with cornhole? But this is about so much more than cornhole now. When I started researching for what would eventually be Blood and Beanbags, I assumed the project would take a few weeks, maybe a month of my time. I'd go around getting interviews with big cornhole personalities. I'd re-familiarize myself with the game. Maybe I'd even unearth some revelation about the glory days. Never in a million years did I think I'd be visiting a correctional facility, staring at plexiglass, waiting to talk to an alleged murderer. But that's cornhole for you. From Buzzcast Sports, you're listening to Blood and Beanbags, an in-depth look into one of the greatest rivalries in the history of professional cornhole. My name is Arnold Turlish. Warning, this episode contains strong language and descriptions of graphic violence. I crucified my greatest rival, Phil Dilworth. I mean, that's really what people think. Phil Dilworth, WCC Hall of Famer and, um, spoilers for the cornhole story, two-time world champion, uh, was found dead. But this wasn't your usual, totally unexpected crucifixion of a healthy man in his late 40s. This one smacked of cornhole rivalry. I mean, you have to understand why that is, Buckets. I mean, you do, you do understand that, right? Honestly, not really. I mean, sure, Philly and I were rivals, but uh, when have I been known to be a violent person, Arnold? I, the fight in 99, the brawl in 02... Uh, the time I curbed that driver in early 2010. Uh, don't tell me it was the time I told you I'd kill you. Arnold, I wouldn't touch your hair on your pretty head. I was torn. On the one hand, every shred of evidence from the scene pointed to Andy Giovanni, and I absolutely detested the man and was fully positive it was him. On the other hand, just because two men had notorious decade-long cornhole super rivalry and that all of the materials from the grisly crime were found at the other's McMansion does not an open and shut case make. The fact that it matter is this. How could I have had the time to do that horrific deed if I was at BW Trees? And here's the only thing even remotely resembling an alibi for buckets. He claims to have been complaining about not being allowed to smoke in front of the door while waiting for his carryout order at Buffalo Wild Wings at the time the murder is thought to have occurred. His story is mostly corroborated in a tweet from one of the Wing Chain's employees. Look, look at this. Who's in that picture? You. That's right. The picture in question is part of a now-deleted tweet that also included the words, Fuck off and die, Karen. But even with this tweet, at least one detective wasn't buying it. People get timetables wrong all the time. This is Detective Donald Group. Hypothetically, I believe it's absolutely possible that Mr. Giovanni could have bludgeoned Dilworth, skinned him, crucified him, and then gone to pick up his tailgate sampler platter from B-dubs. Would it have been easy? No. But neither is winning a cornhole championship, and he managed to do that a few times too. Again, 
this would be spoilers, uh, but it sort of feels like the cornhole story does not matter that much anymore. Uh, Buckets was a three-time world champion. But the next morning, everything that seemed like it mattered was once again thrown completely out of whack. Breaking news, the nation currently mourns the death of cornhole superstar Phil Dilworth. Andy Buckets Giovanni has been the prime suspect, but he has escaped prison and fled to Australia. Detectives are unsure if this means... If Buckets was innocent, he shared a funny way of showing it. I was at a crossroads. Arnold, you're already $4,000 over your budget. This story is now national news. It has evolved beyond the scope of a sports podcast. We just think that you should... And I fucking quit, Steven. I fucking quit. I made some sacrifices, but this is my story. And so far, everything you've heard has already happened. Well, not anymore. Homeless and unemployed, I am now sitting in my car in the parking garage at the airport, getting ready to take the biggest risk of my life. Will I be able to track down Buckets and get him to turn himself in? Is Buckets even the killer? Find out next week on my new podcast, Arnold Down Under, Catching Cornhole's OJ. Thank you for listening. Today's episode comes to you from Garrett Pooler, fact-checking by Stephen Glovis and Susan Plovis, music by Kevin McLeod, additional help from Cormac Merman and Jessica Clementine. I'm Arnold Turley. Well, Chris, we have a special correspondent today. I'm really excited for this one, Jeff. Our previous uh, previous guest, McRae, uh, he's coming at us live from Hobby Lobby. Uh, McRae, are you there? Hello, guys. Hello, guys. Uh, yes, I'm here from Hobby Lobby, um, and I'm just trying to preach a good word. So uh, let me just begin here. Genesis 1930s says, Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day, the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old. There is no man around here to give us children. And as the and is the custom all over the earth, let's give our father to drink wine and then sleep with him and preserve our family line through our daughter. And we can all take solace in that fact, folks. Uh, you know, this is exactly what our times and our people are looking at right now. I'm just here to... I'm just here to buy some glue. I just need to get some Your model airplane. Your glue is a false prophet. False uh, prophet. Yeah, I, your glue, I mean, is that going to be there to repair your uh, Christian hood when it comes to uh, uh, praising the Almighty Father? No, I'm just, uh, I just want to get some uh, model airplane glue and then and I'll be uh, on my way. What will you, know, you be just, doing with well, that glue, son? Will you be sniffing it? Will you be uh, no, no. sinning in the eyes of our father? No, of course not. I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm just here to. Where's the? Where's the? Where's the aisle for the airplane glue? Do you work here? Oh, the aisle, son, is right down Satan's holy aisle. That, that is exactly where you want to go. The, Satan's you do holy not want to be. Yes, you are. Uh, you've already been bought and sold by our pagan gods and our pagan religions. 
they will be coming for you, sir. Uh, I think that you should steer clear of all of that, and you should go right down to that aisle right over there that says, uh, Christian Jesus is our God Almighty, and amen. I don't see an aisle that says that. I don't it know what you're talking about. It says that right on them signs. What are you? T- I just okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna walk away. I'm gonna. No, 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 no. You are walking down the aisle of the unrighteousness, son. You are fucking. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, like a lot of churches do not say fucking, but our church absolutely yeah, I, does. I, I noticed we're trying that you, to reach out yeah. to the youth. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I'm, so, I'm mean, not. I'm not the young person, but I mean, yeah. You look young to me, son. I think we're about the same age, I think, you and I. <laughs> but... I mean, you don't look a day over 21. Oh, you wow. you got some thank, nice thank biceps, you. man. You look Okay, good. all right. All right, okay. You don't, you don't have to touch. It's it's okay. I, yeah. I, just let me get a little touch on no, it. No, it's, it's okay. It's all right. Come on. It, 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 that's all right. That's all right. It's, but. You were talking on. about you're, you're uh, redemption. Are you one of the holy non-good nicks? No, of course not. I'm just here to buy some glue. Where's the glue aisle? Who can someone oh, the here help glue me? Glue aisle. That is the righteous uh, unholiness of the uncoming of them. That uh, you, you should not be walking down that aisle, son. That is the aisle of the sinner. I just want to fix my model airplane. It broke the. the I, I fell and it's, a model it's... airplane. Is that not an idol? Is that not an idol? A false to idol. The... It's not a false idol. That is Come a on. false idol, son. You you've heard the stories about the golden calf. Oh, because the airplane flies in the sky. It's like a, an affront to God or something. Is it? Absolutely. Is this what you're trying to you say? You already know, son. <laughs> Come on. Uh, no, my, no. Uh, you should be walking down the righteous path, and that is crocheting, crocheting. over an aisle of five. Oh, oh, crocheting. No, I, I don't need is any crocheting. The righteousness aisle. You can crochet oh. a little uh, word of the Lord. You can crochet a little uh, cross that says, uh, Welcome to our home. You can give that away as a gift to other people uh, when they have their weddings. No, I that's know. A, my that's my the wife. the cheapest gift you can give anyone. You, my, just, you just give it away, and, and they don't have to accept it. They just have to pretend to accept it. You just. It's cheap. It's so cheap. It's I know so my cheap. wife. My wife does enjoy crocheting. It's 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 well, a fine. Damn. It's fine art. You know. Yeah, yeah. Damn, you got a you got a, yeah. a holy devout woman in your household. What the fuck are you doing at here, at Michaels? Oh, come on, like oh, was... right, Hobby Lobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what store are we at here, right? Like, I I mean, I, like I, I I'm bought and paid for by Hobby Lobby, Michaels. I'm everywhere. They just put me in these aisles. I sit here and I I preach the. I don't really word. care what I don't really care what store it is. Do you guys have the model airplane glue or not? Like, no. I okay, mean, I'm it, leaving it then. Okay, well then I'm gonna I gotta go but... to the other store. It, no, it's there. It's there. I mean, I got I got I got to make my monthly quota. So just please write my name down. Make sure that I get uh this the sales on it. Um, that's fine. I'll put I'll put your name down when I when man, I check so, out. I, I it's need fine. money. It's my, fine. My got my, my my daughter Brianica. You, she's just You just make it, is that a made up name? Does that <laughs> What is what is no, what was that no, name? Brianica's not a made up name. Brianna Brianica? Yeah. Okay. 
we need we need to we need food and we need shelter and I, I just appreciate if you uh listen to the word of our Lord uh Genesis nineteen thirty three. That night they got their father to drink wine and the older daughter went in and slept with him. He was not aware of it and when she laid down or, or when she got up. What do you think about that? I'll give you, know? you $5 to stop talking right now. <laughs> Make it 10 and you got a deal. All right, here you go. <laughs> uh, and deal, and deal. Thank you so much, sir. Okay, have a good day. Bye. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Good Parts of the Bible. This is episode 2, Attack of the Bible. I'm Chris Murphy, along with Jeff Gibson, featuring guest Alec Plant, Chicago improviser and so-called Bible expert. What's up? Let's talk about the Bible. (laughs) So let me ask you folks, uh, Chris, Alec, what can you tell me about your brother? Well, I like my brothers. I have an older brother, and I have a twin sibling. Uh, they're both very cool. Uh, I would never murder either of them. And, well, I mean, that's my older brother. is They're both very good at guitar. Much better at guitar than me, so that's frustrating. But between me and my twin, I think I am the funnier of the two. So, so I'll put that so out right So what here. would happen if, say, God came down and asked for a gift or asked for a for you know for you and your brother to appease him and your brother takes out the guitar what do you have to offer god oh i have improv comedy so (laughs) uh so over the course of a scene i could demonstrate some real technical proficiency and i can improvise from one of any four schools of thought and it's hard for me to not believe that God would not only be extremely entertained, but also impressed. So I think uh, I would have a strong case for being the the son who ends up being murdered, rather than the one who lives. Do you think your brother would whip out Stairway to Heaven? No. <laughs> Never in a million years. He What's his jam, then? Oh, he... Uh, well, my twin... Uh, my twin sibling does like, oh, yes. uh, uh, like uh, synthesizer music, dark synth music. The Mall, look them up. The Mall on SoundCloud, Spotify, Bandcamp, something. But uh, it's some real jamming stuff. And also, you know what? It's hard for me to think that that wouldn't at least please God as much as my my comedy bits. So I don't know. 
I guess it would be a toss-up. And it just comes down to God's own I think if I was the Lord God, which I am not, and I had to choose between mm. improv comedy and someone who whipped out a keytar, you would be dead in a field <laughs> within half an hour. Well, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I, you're, well you're, then I'm glad you're not you're, God. You're, sorry, your brother. You're, I'm glad you're not God. <laughs> and you have no right to speak for God. No right at all. Because maybe God likes improv. I like to think that he does. Otherwise, what am I doing it for? Nobody else is, nobody's watching. No. <laughs> if, if, God, if God doesn't like improv, what am I doing with my time? <laughs> no, I sometimes think that improv is a curse on uh, the face of God. It's a blight on the creation he's blessed now, us with. Now, you are Chicago's number one religious comedy improviser, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. You do a lot of, um, oh crap, I can't think of what it's called. Youth groups. <laughs> yeah, little youth group instructions. They're like, uh, uh, name your favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> any suggestion, we'll do, we'll take any book, any book of the Bible as a suggestion. And somebody's like, numbers. And I'm like, yes, I love numbers. And, uh, and then I go off. Numbers is a very boring one, by the way. It's just a list of everything like the Israelites happened to have, I think, at that moment. It's just like a a list of who belongs, who's whose dad, and how much like like weird types of grain and like types of screws they had sitting around in their uh, warehouse. The inventory portion of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, the inventory portion. Yeah. It's uh. I'm not a big fan of uh, Christian improv because every scene is just like, yes, and God. And that's the end of it. That's <laughs> nice it. One. Nice one. Then you win. Then you win. Uh, I think I saw, I think there was a some sort of Christian improv group that, here in Chicago, that I saw at one point at the Mixer at the playground, which is the best improv spot in Chicago. But, uh, yeah, so I think there actually is one out there. Of course, I am not. I am not a, uh, a, I don't do Christian improv in real life. In real life, I do uh, edgy, suspenseful, push pushing the envelope type stuff that would be totally out of place in a church because it's so, uh, you know, Jeff, cool. Jeff, do you want to do an improv scene with Alec real quick? Oh, sure. I have absolutely no training, but I'll do my Okay. Best. You guys are trying to... Uh, or organize peace in the Middle East. Okay. Can we do accents? Uh, only your <laughs> you you have to do accents. Oh, oh fantastic. Uh, well, shiny who? I don't think we'll be organizing the Middle East to having an uh, an old peace deal today. Oh boy, I was gonna try to do an Irish accent, and then I forgot how to. Oh, what's what's this then? They moved the the capital from Jerusalem. They moved the the capital of Israel to Jerusalem. Oh, how blarney! I didn't think they'd do that, but now there's no now there's we've settled into kind of a thing where all the hope for peace is you know, uh it's got not gonna not good. Uh, do they have pancakes in Jerusalem? Oh, pancakes in Jerusalem! Are there redheads in Ireland? <laughs> 
All right. Oh, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was Yes, good. and also, God. I think, uh, <laughs> I think uh, we also have a title for the episode, which, of course, will be Pancakes in Pancakes Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't focus on the I relationship. We, saved... we didn't focus on our own relationship there. That's yeah. Why, that's why that scene failed to take off. Yeah, break that down, Alec. Break that down. Like, wh- like what went right? What went wrong? Uh, so I came in strong with, uh, with because the, the you want to pick a like the more stock your accent, the easier it is for the audience to recognize it. So uh, the more the audience recognizes, the happier they'll be. So I came in. Uh, both of our choices for accents were good. You came in with a meta comment on your accent, which detracts from character. So. Uh, believability was was lost right off the bat there, but then I swooped in and I brought in some real world news about the capital of Jerusalem, the capital of Israel being moved to Jerusalem, and I think that uh, you know people like hearing new stuff. They think that's very funny. If you can uh, bring up a headline they've already heard, they recognize that. They recognize it. They're happy. So uh, and then from there it was just off to the races, and we had a great scene. And uh, I think anybody would have almost laughed until they you know, spit out any milk they were drinking or, or meat they were choking on. At that you, point. uh, you owe, Je- you, you owe Alec $300 now, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me, let me get out my wallet. Thank you. <laughs> you guys can't see it, but we're on our, on our old beat up, uh, podcasting couch. Jeff's just handed me $300 and I put it in my wallet and I go back to the podcast. Chris, do you have any brothers? Uh, I have I have two brothers. Uh, both both young. I'm the oldest in my family, and I could have seen myself killing my brothers when I was younger. We we didn't get along until uh, after I moved out of the house. Oh, that usually works. What did you guys fight way. about? Uh, just they were the babies of the family, so I thought they got preferential treatment. I always thought I was getting a raw deal, you know. <laughs> And, in hindsight, uh, are are those suspicions justified? A hundred percent. They they were absolutely getting preferential treatment. But guess what? They turned out to be uh, not so. Not <laughs> never. I'm not going to no, shit on my brother. No, finish the sentence. Talk shit on your say, family. Yeah. Talk shit on your family. <laughs> I was going to say. You know what? They just they they turned to be failures, and I'm the most successful. Ouch! Ouch! Uh, so, yeah, Chris, you're the most successful one of all. You're getting paid a shit ton of money, and you don't even work. I don't work. I'm on unemployment. Um, That's success. It's success. I'm on food stamps. I'm on yeah. state Medicaid right now. The government. I'm making. You're so cool that the government is just giving you shit. Yeah, because apparently it's not. Well, I'm normally a server, and uh, that's the worst job to have in this environment right now. Are we talking volleyball or in the restaurant? Uh, a, a restaurant first. <laughs> I consider my volleyball skills to be subpar, but uh, but what I was going to say is uh, now I'm friends with my brothers. I talk to them all the time, especially in COVID. And you know what my brother told me a couple weeks ago? Immediate like once I turned eighteen, nineteen, I stopped going to church. Was not involved in any of my mom's church life. She, apparently. She had brought them into a cult for about a year. <laughs> and I had no idea. How big of a cult? Uh, very. I think they had big ambition, but but small in stature. It was just this, this one place where where we grew, uh, grew up. And uh, my brother was like, tell me, he's like, yeah, you know, 
they had us like like they had people marching in uniforms down the street oh like God. every Sunday like like it was a very uh, military uh, cult. That's uh, a church messed cult. Up cult. That's a pretty messed up cult. <laughs> yeah, and I just I had no idea. I had no idea this was that. And I was living under the same roof, and like apparently every every Sunday they would go out to this cult, and I'd be like, "Sweet, I'm gonna you know watch some football." Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, right under your own roof. Now, is this in Louisiana? This is in Louisiana. It's. <laughs> I don't want to say what part of Louisiana. I want to dox them, but uh, the southern part of Louisiana. So are we talking voodoo? You know, I, I I met these people once. I had to go pick up my my mom from this church one time, and I walked in. This is the only time I interacted with these people. Uh, first of all, it was a <laughs> I don't know. If this is wrong to say, but it was a primarily African American church. Interesting. And uh, um and I walked in, and all these people were just like like. Like, like, they're like, hey, you want to sit down? And I was just trying to pick up my mom. They're like, yeah, sit down at this table. And I just sit down. And a bunch of them sit down at the table. And they all start talking to me about my relationship with God. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, mom, we got to go. I um, I have I have diarrhea or something. I forget what I said. But I was like, I, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to diarrhea all over this chair if we don't leave. I doubt you said that. I, I, no way. I was probably more respectful. But. But still, for the sake of this story, it's a useful exaggeration. Yeah, yeah. Not that far off. I'm pretty sure I was like, I'm sick. Uh, I, I might have said, you know, I, I have a vision. I have a vision of COVID. Now, that would have been an incredible act of foresight. Yeah. Um, I predicted COVID. Can you... Uh describe the uniforms they were wearing uh i don't know i didn't see the the these uniforms my my brother is the one who was like telling me like they would like march out in the streets and like uh like they would do like drills and i don't know what they were drilling for but i, I assume some something not good and yeah. um and uh like like these people were 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 trying to get my mom and my siblings like to separate from my dad like completely and like join over Ooh into the cult and uh eventually like my brother was like yeah dad was like i think you probably shouldn't go there anymore and i guess my mom was like yeah it's kind of boring anyway i'll I'll just stop going so they just they just stopped going to the cult damn (laughs) yeah boring cults are the worst yeah yeah what's the point uh my dad oh shoot well Oh, well, I guess I already said it. My dad had this book called Kingdom of the Cults when I grew up that he read. And it was like everything that's not like Protestant Christianity is a cult. So like Jews, cult. Like Mormons, astronomical cult. It was like Catholics, they're on the line, but the Catholics are probably a cult. So uh, I was very wary of uh, cults in my uh, my upbringing. I was a uh, very by-the-book protestant uh what can you tell us about growing up your oh. religious household uh, uh you know you just went to church a bunch you just go to church all the time you get to meet all the uh like the evangelicals the people who would be trump voters now and the people who would be like taking minical miracle solution mir- miracle mineral solution just like drinking bits of silver and stuff like that like you got to meet all those people uh uh 
oh, it's really cool being, I think maybe what got me into improv and comedy was being uh, a funny guy at church because uh, church people love when you're uh, when you're funny and it's just the dumbest the dumbest stuff you uh, they just they just crack up over like pretending to be drunk after you've had a little of the communion wine little bits <laughs> like that church people love so it was probably that endless uh, positive unearned positive reinforcement that prepared me for the reality of improv that primed me for it so that's something let's see and then also. Uh, there's also a sense of the coming apocalypse of that the end of the world can happen at any time and only the the deserving few, the elect, will go to heaven and everyone else is doomed and we're all just sort of biding our time on this earth until the apocalypse and I think I've carried that with me to my radical life politics of today in, an, in a subconscious way. Those are the two main factors of growing up Christian I think I've carried with me into adulthood. Um, may I ask your age, sir? I'm 31. All right. I got a couple years on you. Um, I'm 67 years old. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, growing up, there was a lot of um, doomsday, I don't want to say cults, but there, I always remember growing up, every single New Year's, there was always a group that knew the world was going to end. So it was always on the news of these people going up on a mountain like uh, sealing themselves in a building, waiting for the world to end, and then January 1st, they all came out very disappointed. Yep. Well, sometimes they were disappointed, but sometimes they double down. They're like, oh, it didn't happen. We must have been good enough. We really did what God wanted. We really are the cult that is uh, real, unlike all these other ones. You know, that's how they get you with a cult, because you double down every time it doesn't work. Now you so know. Do you rate a cult on how successful they are predicting end of the world situations? How would you rate? No, that? no, 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 no cult. No cult is. Every cult will fail. All the coolest cults will not will not be counted as cool if you judge them by the accuracy of their predictions. You just have to judge them by how wacky they are. How do you feel about Heaven's Gate after they all committed suicide to join the spaceship past uh, I, Saturn? I believe. In terms of raw cult power and energy, pretty good. But it's wrong to commit mass suicide. And I also believe what they were planning for was a race war. I'm pretty sure that they were an insanely racist cult. Uh, so that I don't approve of. You, you know, it's funny. I think all cults, they they like they never mention the race war part of it, but it's always there. Like, <laughs> Char like Charles Manson had a race war. Uh, component yeah. into his cult that that nobody ever talks about. Yeah, and then he had the swastika on his on his head. Let me see if I'm going to look up real quick if Heaven's Gate was racist. <laughs> yeah, Charles Manson was pretty messed up. They they always are like they're always like at the end of the day they're like, listen, this cult is about two things like meeting our space god and whites only. <laughs> Do you yeah. think that Heaven's Gate decided to leave the Earth because of that? <laughs> they saw the demographic shifts and they're like no thank you <laughs> hispanic majority in 2030 nope i believe heaven's yeah. gate we're going to all ascend ascend into space and i'll meet up on the hellbot comet oh that would have been cool 
So speaking of cults, uh, I'll start with you, Chris. What what would you do if you were a cult leader? I mean, I would probably just do a standard grift of like, mm-hmm. you know, money. Uh, if if Nexium was consensual, that's probably what I would do. Just like be like, like ju- well, you know what? <laughs> Improv is probably the biggest cult that I'm in. Like that, like that I'm already in. As Alec is in as well, it's it's a big cult where people will, will get the smallest amount of power and use that to like their advantage. And yeah, I, I've I've never been in a, in a position of power, so I have no idea how I would react. But I've known people with tiny bits of power, and it goes to their heads immediately. So, I guess I didn't really answer your question, but I just I just want to see your business card saying it's like a consensual Nexium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm going for. I would make it a week with the women in power, and then just become an evil despot. What do you mean, make it a week with the women in power? Like I would not be a nice guy anymore, and I would just turn pure evil and want more power. Nice. I'm being honest here. I don't think it would lead to suicide unless, you know, the government was all after us. Yeah. And I fa- A little Waco. Yeah. If there yeah. was a chance I would face jail time, I would just off myself. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I have to go to space now. <laughs> if you want to come with, you're free. <laughs> I must return to my home planet. On the one hand, I find the idea of a sex cult appealing, where we're just all constantly naked and like and like having doing drugs and having sex. On the other hand, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be a bad guy, and I feel like there's an element, there is an element of deception with forcing people to join a cult. So I have to balance my need for uh, uh, wild sex orgies with the fact that maybe I'm, you know. With my eth- my own personal ethics, for you know when it's okay to have a a drug sex orgy, so my maybe my cult would be have to be a balance of those two things. I would think. I'm trying to think if I had a brother story. Maybe I can. <laughs> they really switched to cults yeah, very quickly. I, I apologize. Oh no, no, it's fine. That's why I like it. Um. I grew up with a younger sister and an older brother. The older brother I don't care too much for, so if we have to take it out to a field, I'm fine with that. What's his name? Damn. Uh, my brother's name is... <laughs> oh, I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I th- See him at Target all the time. <laughs> yeah, so if I had to choose between my brother and my sister and I had to kill one of them in a field, I think my brother would have to go. I had the older brother that was not a very nice guy, so I kind of grew up in that shadow of having everyone watch me constantly to see what I would do. Oh, that sucks. I had the younger sister that was the first girl in a family of, including my aunt and my mom. It was eight boys, and finally a girl showed up, so she was spoiled rotten. I don't think I ever got past that. Wait. Wait, the math on that, you said... Eight men, including your mom and aunt, and then finally a girl? No, the, my main family would be my mother and my aunt. 
My aunt had five boys. Then my mom. Holy moly. Yeah, five boys. No girls. Then my mom had my brother, and then me, and then my sister. So, I'm sorry, that would be seven boys altogether, but she was the first girl that finally popped out. Ah, uh, okay, I see. Showered with attention, of... and she was a perfect, perfect little thing. So, first of all... Ooh, man, I, I, I hate her just hearing about her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being a middle middle child really sucks so i highly recommend you stop at two children <laughs> also i was born <laughs> yeah do. also my birthday is december 15th so i was born 10 days before christmas and that's the worst possible thing you can ever do to anyone so yeah you're watering down your holidays yeah so you're watering down your presents yeah so when you are planning on having children please schedule it accordingly <laughs> so they are not born anywhere near the christmas season jeff do you, in hindsight do you wish your parents got an abortion so you would have they they could have tried a, for a kid you know closer to summer or something like that oh you know when i think about it no <laughs> things aren't great right now but i'm glad i'm alive Okay, well, you know, just just checking. You seem to be really, really digging on this Christmas thing. I think thing. if I could travel back in time to prevent my own birth, <laughs> I, I could. Or, or you just take the chance of like being like born like 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 a couple months early. Is it still you? I don't think it. Can you? Be I born don't later? think that would work that way. <laughs> no, have you guys seen About Time? No, what's this? No, I haven't. Uh, it's a great, great movie. It's uh, uh, Dominique Gleeson, uh, the guy uh, from Star Wars Episode 6 and 7. No, seven. No, I'm sorry, 7 and 8, who's like the red-headed uh, Nazi oh, leader yeah. guy. Ooh. He plays a rom-com interest, but he can go back in time uh, to certain moments. But once somebody's like, like once somebody's... You know what? It makes sense if you watch the movie, but it's like basically when a baby is conceived, that alters the timeline to where you you can only like once that you what you happens? would. So he has a kid, and he tries to go back in time and change something, and he finds out that that means that that kid doesn't get born because when you alter anything in the past, um, before that child is conceived. I mean, cause, cause, like, it's a wild chance, like, like, like one sperm hitting the egg. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is such a tangent that I, I wish I wouldn't have brought up. <laughs> I, I fucked up so badly. Finish explaining bringing... the movie. Finish explaining but, the movie. So he he goes back in time to switch one thing, and then his kid is born looking different because oh, he changed the past. It's a, it's a different sperm. So he realizes that once a kid is born. He can't go back in time before the conception of that kid, or like even before that kid's born, really, because otherwise the kid will be different. Who cares? You wouldn't have known the old kid. You would just know the new kid. Well, who cares? He, he does. does. <laughs> Everyone else doesn't. I wouldn't care. I'm a harsh father. <laughs> Nobody else cares, but he knew. He remembered. That his bait, that his kid used to be different. What? I'm, I'm so sorry for the dead. I just put a lot, bunch of dead air. This no. podcast was zooming along. I had to describe the uh, the plot of about time. Chris, Chris, 
I'm glad. It was, now- it was beautiful. And I just want you to know that every single thing that happened since the Big Bang across the entire universe has led to you. You, you are the that, most Chris. important human being alive because it took probably 10 billion years to make you. So work on your damn... So you don't have to get a job <laughs> yeah. if you don't want to? No. You don't got to get some job. You don't have to feel guilty about being on food stamps. The whole universe made you. You're stardust. You are... Right? Chris, you are a, a beautiful and unique snowflake. And we love you. <laughs> yeah, Chris. How's that feel? Chris, are you still there? I think God would kill himself if he ever thought about me more than, like, two seconds. Why? Do you think because you're such a disappointment? I think he'd be like, oops. He'd be like, oopsie-daisy. Oopsie-daisies. I didn't mean to do that. I, like, you know. He'd be like, look, I'm making a lot of stuff here. One, <laughs> I got- things kind of got out of control. I was making, I made a whole universe. That's a lot of shit. I made a lot of shit. Some, you know, some stuff escaped my purview. I lost the cookbook. I lost my Rachel Ray's How to Make a Civilization cookbook. And now, uh, you know, a couple, of, a couple of things fall away. I had some carrots to a stew that didn't need them. I don't know. That happens. God does make mistakes. People are like, God doesn't make mistakes. Give me a, give me a break. You know, pe- I'm not trying to say that some people are mistakes. But I'm saying some stuff is fucked up out there. God, there's some super fucked up stuff. You know, I don't have to bring it up. You know, you guys can think of certain historical instances where some things happened to some people that were bad, that could have been better. You guys know what I'm talking about? Everyone in the audience right now listening to this, take a moment to think about all the tragedies that have happened in history. Just take a moment. Think about it. Particularly one that happened, there's a really bad one that everybody brings up, but I can't bring it up because I don't want to besmirch anyone. Alec is talking about Gamergate. I'm talking about Gamergate. Why did God do that to journalism? 